time for VUC. In our 11th year, with us on our journey this year, Simwood.com. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Greenfield Tech. Go to greenfield.tech and see how they can make your tech dreams both feasible and affordable. Our conference bridge is the best you'll ever find. ZipDX.com. VUC.me is hosted on Bluehost. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are provided by Voxphone.com. Excellent, and thank you, Michael, for the pre-roll. This is fantastic. This is VUC 666 for October 6th. We we didn't notice that before. 2017. 2017. We're going to talk a little bit about Astrocon and the conference review, but we have some very special guests, starting with Mr. Andy Smith. Say hello, Andy. Uh, Sorry, that took me a bit by surprise. Hello. I thought it would, and I'm going in the order of my screen, so the next person would be Mr. Corrado Mela. He just signaled, and the incredible James Bodie, who went faster than time to get here. I did. I was doing 600 miles per hour just to be here with you on the VUC. Thank you so much for that. Of course, Michael Graves, co-producer and man of all talents. Hello, everybody. And the actual special guests I mentioned who are, in order of appearance, Nir Simeonovich and Eric Klein. Gentlemen, and, wait a minute. Oh, it's Dan, right? Dan Jenkins. Do I recognize him? No, it's not not Oh, it's not. Oh, my God. Who is that? There's Lenz. Oh, Lenz. I'm so sorry. The glasses fooled me. It's Lenz, the low-way man. Oh, my. All right. Well, my bad. Yes, you can tell the uh, the atmosphere is so light-hearted in Orlando. That is, that is funny, though. He, I, I thought of, uh, well, all right, my bad. Anyway. Dan and Kathleen, et cetera, are all off at IHOP. Yeah, the International House of Pancreatitis. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, Astrocon 10, iPhone 10, 666, oh. VUC, I don't know. Astrocon 14. Astrocon. Oh, that's an old shirt. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was Atlanta. That was the second Atlanta. You were the, the, the new shirt. This, this is, is this is this year's shirt. Yeah, that's nice. So, James Bodie, uh, we were talking just before you got in. We were talking about the first Astrocon in Europe, which you were at and I was at, but we didn't meet in two thousand two thousand and five in Madrid. It was in Madrid. It was, a, it was a super show, I thought. It was great. but what? And I still have a shoehorn from the Madrid Auditorium Hotel. But what was the first Astrocon? What year was that? I don't know. I wasn't there. 2003, I, anybody? I, in fact, they asked uh, yesterday who was present at the very first Astrocon. There were only two people put their hands up. And they were Mark Spencer and Alison. <laughs> well, we should have Every one of the 14 Astrocons. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just thinking, Alison must have been about 13 years old then. Yeah, really, she's 10. Yeah. Wow, she's been in yeah. every one. Interesting. Yeah, Alison is just so so beautiful, and and this is why every single Asterix developer falls madly in love with, with Alison. It took me a while. It took me a while, because really? the echo test did not convince me. <laughs> It's true. I thought that was a little weird. I want to know when James became a developer. 
Well, Simulant oh, can turn oh, oh. can turn you as a developer into a telco, and he became a telco as well. So where's Simon? I was expecting to see him. Simon is on his way to the airport right now. Actually, oh, okay. I think he's at iHelp as well. Way to sample the local culture. Go to IHOP. <laughs> uh, that is sampling local culture, though. Yeah, well, especially very, very American, the sort of breakfasts that uh, they serve. Especially when you look at the outer part where people are waiting to get in and uh, there's no one under 350 pounds there. How much is that in stones? Who could tell me first? Quick. (laughs) 350 pounds? Yes. Well, it's over 20, so it's going to be about 27, isn't it? 27 stone. All right. Somebody look that up. Ask Siri. What, what, What was the question? How much? How much? How much? What is three hundred and fifty pounds in stone? That's about. What is three hundred and fifty pounds in stones? That's about forty. Twenty-five stone. Twenty-five. Andy stone. was 25. close. Yeah. Twenty-five. Andy was close. All right. Anyway, what? Uh, anything happened at Astrocon, or was it just a waste of time? Uh, yeah, a number of things happened, didn't they? Uh, like our little wine tasting come cocktail party. Yeah. <laughs> Nia, you better explain what that's all about. Well, it started off as a, was it a VUC cocktail party or wine tasting to begin with? Or was it one of yours? Andy joined in our first one in 2011. But, uh, not accurate. Not he joined us. But, but he no, didn't. no, no, no. The, the original one started uh, at a MooCon. And the original concept started in a MooCon 2010. So in 2009, Randy and I met for the first time in a MooCon. And it was so we were in uh, what was that place? Uh, One of the Baltic states, wasn't it, or Prussia somewhere? Rostock. 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 Yeah. Well, the first first Mukan was in Berlin, East Berlin. Yeah. So, so we were in Rostock, and and the funny bit was the first Mukan. So we were there. There was the cocktail party, and after the cocktail party, everybody still were a little uh, looking for a bit more alcohol. At least good one. And we ended up roaming the streets. So we ended up in this place, uh, myself and Randy and uh, Jason Gecki, who is now at the Cisco Switch. And I believe, uh, who else Tim, was there? Tim was there too, I think. Tim Panton. was there and a lot of guys. And the next year, uh, I, I don't recall even how it started. I, I think I said that I'm going to bring a couple of bottles of wine to the speaker's lounge. And then everybody's starting, you know, I'm going to bring a couple of bottles too. And then uh, somebody brought in this humongous wheel of cheese. And somebody came in with bottles of beer. And it became like its own little speaker's lounge cocktail party. And uh, after 2010, the original Mukon was dead. And Mukon, there was no Mukon 2011. And that's when we moved into Astrocon. And then, then you joined me. And right. Randy was in Denver as well. We got a shitload of snow, which was awesome. Yeah, I, re- I remember that, yeah. I remember yeah. that the hire car company giving me this tiny little, tiny little shovel thing. I said, what do I need that for? And, he, and the guy said, you'll find out. So I was there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trying to dig this thing out. Useless. Yeah, one day you're at um, Shorts, and the next day you're shoveling the car out to find the door. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. amazing. That was amazing. Yeah, let's talk, talk about the format for the, uh, the cocktail party, because it's really simple. The way it works is that people, everybody who turns up is supposed to turn up with a bottle or container of something that they want to share with everybody else. And the way it works is you turn up uh, up with nice stuff, you end up with lots of friends. And if you turn up 
with something that tastes like creosote, then uh, your Billy No Mates in the corner. And uh, that's the way it works, really. And, and traditionally, people have brought some very, very nice bits and pieces. So traditionally, Nir and Eric bring Israeli wine, which is quite difficult to get to if you're not Israeli. Get out, sorry, if you're not Israeli. We, we try to mix that up. Uh, Nir brings the good stuff. I bring the stuff that you can actually find in American supermarkets or wine stores, usually. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But there are also people who bring uh, vodka. Oh, um, I have a, uh, what's his name? Um, not Yosef. Yosef uh, uh, you're talking about the, uh, Jacob Klaus. Jacob. Yeah. Jacob from Poland. Yeah. Brings yeah. fantastic. And someone else brought a... Uh, and a hydromel uh, type beverage, a very very sweet honey based yeah. thing. And oh, okay. I remember that one. Let's see. This year we had a bottle of Irish whiskey um, from Dan Jenkins. Was my yeah, it was a very very nice Irish whiskey in a yellow finished, spot. Yellow spot finished in a Malaga wine barrels. Um, we had chocolate cake shots, which was vodka Frangelica. And a lime and a lemon wedge dipped in sugar. Um, that was Dan's, then. Then, uh, then we had some um, time for shameless plug. Uh, Sip Smith. Um, can't um, think where that came from. And, and some <laughs> funny little bottles with a Digium bottle opener that uh, disappeared and was never replaced. Yeah, somebody nicked my Digium bottle opener. I went to try and get some afterwards. They were all gone. Yeah, not surprising. Very, very frustrated. We couldn't get a replacement I, for that. I think we should ask the guys to send us. I'm confident um, they have some. We had a variety of wines, um, one called Hen House from Canada. Yeah, Alison bought a bottle of Canadian red wine. On the, on the subject of Canada, may I apologise publicly for, to everyone two years ago for the Canadian whiskey? It was, it was you! Awful. That Canadian whiskey. I remember wandering around the hotel just trying to get rid of it to anybody and nobody well, would have it. Two- really cheap juice then cheap yeah. uh, I, I think it was it was about seven bucks for a liter and a half and you made too much yeah really lovely plastic bottle as well that was gorgeous stuff yes yeah, look looked like a washing up liquid bottle funnily enough that was in Orlando as well yeah it was high school dance and dump it into the um fruit punch yes <laughs> Well, we wouldn't want to cause blindness or anything like that. You know. uh, let's see. And there was a bottle of homemade. Uh, well, there, there was that plastic bag of homemade. In fact, that, that's the only thing that didn't go. And I'm not going to mention the name of the person that brought that. But um, it's, it smelt all right, but it just tasted... Um, it was unfiltered, so it still had a lot of the yeasty flavor to it. But it was her first attempt at making wine. Up until then, it has always been meat, apparently. So for a first attempt, it actually came out like wine, which is better than my first attempts. So uh, I'll give her credit. Huh. When I, and when I said hydromel, I meant hydromel is maybe the French hydromel. Uh, I meant mead. Uh, we, as much as this is fun, folks, we probably yeah, should yeah, mention... Yeah, we need to move on. We need well, to talk we, about the other things that happened at Astrocon. Well, the main thing is to go over the most impressive or the most, the f- most funny or the... America's funniest videos, or whatever you know. So, what were the what were the high points and the low well, points? For me, you know, there can be only one bunch of high points, and they they were the dangerous demo. And this year, we we had a full 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 judging team. So we had Simon Woodhead from Simwood, uh, and uh, Nia, who's very carefully 
hiding out of shot on the left of camera. And then in between them, so they don't pun have punch-ups, we have the lovely, lovely Miss Alison Smith, who was also the timer. And there was nothing better than, than having Alison's voice coming over saying, you have one minute remaining. <laughs> it, was, it couldn't be better than an Astrocon conference, could it? Um, so we had some really, 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 really good demos. Nia, talk about your your um, your prize-winning uh, ARI demo. Okay, so we had two prizes specifically for ARI and cloud usage. Um, one of them was very impressive because it actually had business uh, implications. So basically, uh, this guy called Mark went up and he mashed up Asterisk, ARI, and Digital Ocean APIs. So basically, he was able to recreate a Digital Ocean virtual machine instance using an IVR. Now, when you think about it, you say, okay, there's nothing really interesting about that. But then you think a little more and say, wait a minute, that's actually pretty cool if you're a large-scale company and you get an alert saying your systems are now running at 80%, would you like to initiate another, another instance? So you can go in and actually use an IVR to do that. I can actually imagine DigitalOcean or other companies, even Voltaire or Amazon, contacting this guy and asking him, you know something? Why don't we add that as a function into our console, which I think is awesome. It's an awesome idea, really. Uh, oh, that is, that's really interesting. How did that go? You, you would dial in and you'd say, uh, there's, a, no, there's you, a menu uh, of choices? Well, you just use the keypad. So you identify yourself. There's a certain code you have to put, and then you're, there's a menu. I mean, would you like to initiate the uh, VM? Uh, like close one. Yeah. Spin up. Free, yeah, okay. And the other one was an ARI doing uh, translation, which was pretty cool as well, doing live translations. Yeah, and it was, it was tested by members of the audience from different countries. We're invited yeah. to come up and say a few words, random words in their own language into this thing, and it then translated them and chucked them up on the big screen. Yeah, you had yeah. English, Spanish, Japanese, Japanese and um, Romanian. Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah. Did anybody say anything weird? Uh, uh, all the translations came out weird, but no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. I want to hold you in my arms. Yeah, well, there was a little bit of that going on. Um, anyway, well, let's, let's move on swiftly. Uh, some of the other highlights of the dangerous demos, uh, the multi-time uh, crash and burn winner, uh, Evan McGee, was there oh, in full force. That full was form. awesome. That, I um, think that was the most one, that's one around. Well, it was the one that I think scored the most points and won the overall prize. But it was all, all, also a slight crash and burn just to keep his, his batting average down. Um, but what it was, he, he, he'd gone out, he collected all the uh, recordings he could find of Matt, the CTO of, um, of Digium. And he'd... Stored in YouTubes. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, all out of YouTube and things like that. And the idea was that uh, rather than uh, synthesizing um, speech using Alison voice, you could become Matt, which was really very funny, particularly as it didn't work particularly well. Um, and he came out sounding a bit like a Dalek, didn't he? Yes, but he did get the gears in there the right way. Because what he, what he's done, as far as I can understand, basically he took the various um, snippets of audio and then had a TensorFlow behind it learn how Matt speaks and what are the various information that Matt produces. So he needs, I'd say he needs like 
six times more data in order to create an accurate speech yeah. model. It wasn't the data. He needed more time to analyze the yeah, data. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. It's almost the same thing because he needs to analyze, reanalyze, and then resample and create new samples. But all in all, it was very impressive because inside that pseudo Dalek, you could actually hear parts of Matt's voice. <laughs> Yeah, parts. Okay. Yeah, the old little. Yeah, like, okay, I, I can get that. And yeah. actually, it's actually there. And he actually set it up with a web page, speak like Matt Jordan, yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that sort of thing, though, has, has practical applications as well, particularly in uh, modern day filmmaking for a start. I mean, if you wanted, want Elizabeth Taylor to. to uh, in a, a scene and you want to change the words and you want to spoken in her voice. From when she was, let's say, thirty, uh, if you if you were to take everything that's been recorded around there and analyze it, you could probably do it. So, do you think we could have a twenty-year-old Randy? That'd be funny. <laughs> a Randy twenty-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of one of them. Anyway, nope. so what, what was what what was the other big highlight? I'm just trying to think. We 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 had a a, a juggler juggling with. Didn't get that. Yeah, it, it was reasonably random, wasn't it? But he was juggling with telephones and telephone and bits bananas. and bananas at the same time. Yeah, I well, think the point that we weren't having the uh, talent show this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, call- Sorry, no. I was just going to say that's a callback to what Nir and I were reminiscing about earlier with Amukan. Nir, you remember that they had two guys with a bar making mojitos and juggling the mojitos. Yeah, or uh, something. The live bar. A book on, as a conference was pretty cool when you think about it. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, we don't want to talk about Amucon. We want to talk about Astrocon. And <laughs> another of the, the, the big highlights of Astrocon was the presence of Mr. Anthony Minasala and a full team from FreeSwitch. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh, I was um, honestly, like, I think it's the first time that both projects were actively in the same space together in full force, because I know that some, you know, Pond and uh, David Duffield will go there and some other uh, parts of the community, but this is actually the first time that both projects were in the same place at the same time. Indeed, yeah. There's been a, a, a certain amount of diplomatic activity going yeah. on for the last couple of years, but, it, but uh, it's actually come to fruition in that uh, Mark Spencer and Anthony Minasala were in the first, in the same room for I don't know how many years. It was really... Almost a decade. Yeah. And Brian was, uh, Brian West, of course, has been on almost every he's been at almost every Astrocon that I've ever been at, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, but this was a, a full contingent. Uh yeah. and, and uh Anthony did a, a pretty good dangerous demo too. Yeah, well, it wasn't bad. So something <laughs> yeah, but the standard was actually quite high. So uh, yes. uh, so this yeah. In terms of complexity, it was fairly complex. Getting the guy from Uganda to call in. The video chat and then actually seeing it fairly good and also stream it live, that was pretty good. Yeah, and in fact, uh, he even managed to incorporate our very own Mr. Andy Smith into, the, into his demo. Indeed he did, which means I completely missed what he did in the demo. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, was, was Ward Mundy there, by the way? He, that's in no, his neighborhood. Ward Mundy was not there. I haven't seen Ward in like three years now. No. Um, I guess he's... I, I, he's I, I, He's in Atlanta, him. right? So that... yeah, I, I did message him. No, he's up in um, South Carolina, so a little mm. bit further up. But I did message him. 
Now, what just to explain what Anthony Minasala was was showing off was actually hugely risky. He was showing WebRTC running natively on an iPhone running iOS 11. So if you didn't know, uh, iOS 11 does now have support in Safari for WebRTC. Uh, but, but the little tidbit he forgot to mention at the beginning. No, of the he no, mentioned that before he had the microphone. Ah, so, that's so nobody I heard him. I didn't hear that one. Yeah, and uh, but it's still a little, little bit rough around the edges. So little bits and pieces don't quite work the way they, they ought to. But he managed to uh, set that up, get it working, and demonstrate a, a multi-party uh, conference call running through fr free switch with, uh, with people all over the world, including Andy and Fred from Uganda, which was pretty, pretty good. Technological view and complexity was very important. Yeah. Uh, and the amazing thing is that it was all native on the iPhone. So that bodes well for the future, I think. We're, we're kind of getting there gradually. It, it's, it's surprising, you know. That, that's quite impressive on its own, that it is native on, on the iPhone. But on the other hand, here we are in 2017. It really shouldn't be impressive or even necessary to do a demo around it. Well, I, I think it, it's major progress because... Because Apple was the one kind of big player who was saying absolutely nothing about WebRTC and there was no visible progress. And so with iOS 11, all of a sudden to have it dropped in there and have it just about working is, is big beer, I think. No, it, it, it's big news. But Andy's right. By now, it should no longer be big news. It should be we take it for granted it's there. It shouldn't have taken this long. Yeah. yeah uh, Apple should not be last in line. Apple should be leading. In this case, they weren't. Which, uh, which is pro probably, a, probably a reasonably good segue into the news about the new Pixel 2. Now, who's been following that? Michael, I guess you've probably uh, been following the Pixel, Pixel 2 very, very closely, haven't you? I haven't been paying much attention to the details. I have the Pixel 1, and I like it. But um, I paid enough for it that I'm not getting a Pixel 2 just yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's less than an iPhone X. Oh, definitely. Uh, but um, you know, the the Pixel was um, around six hundred dollars, and I, I guess the Pixel Two is better. I, I watched the I watched the event or parts of it. Um, I like the idea that they can do things with a single camera that would have taken a double camera. Uh, yeah. Another, but um, what do you think? I mean, you tell me. Well, well, one of the really exciting things about it, from my perspective is that it actually has an eSIM in it. Um, and that means that if you've got one of these things, you can, well, you can still put a normal SIM card, a UIC-C type SIM, SIM card, a conventional SIM into it, but you don't have to. You can buy it off the shelf uh, or mail order from Google, and um, it'll just work. And how useful is that? What, what else has an eSIM in it? Does well, strangely Apple, enough, Apple I was just, just about to show you so, so that's my iPad, normal iPad. What is this? Yes, it's a very, very big iPad. Let me take the keyboard off. Complete with it. People who are into weightlifting. It is. It, 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 it actually is quite heavy. Oh, my God. Who's, who's could that be? Uh, and it's actually mine. And it's got an eSIM in this, an Apple SIM. Um, which um, when I was over in the States, I set it up in about, took me about three minutes um, to set up a, a five gigabyte bit 
yeah, five gigabyte account with T-Mobile. It cost me ten dollars, and it's and that data is valid for five months. So I thought that was a pretty good deal. And then uh, landing back in UK, getting on the train, I thought, well, I'll I'll try a, a UK one now because um, unlike the previous iterations, you can actually now have multiple accounts active concurrently. So to prove that it worked, I uh, loaded um, a Truephone account, and that worked fine as well on on, on LTE, good old Truephone. And right. what is the mechanism for loading, for programming, configuring, or loading, or whatever you do? What do you have to do? You have to have what special is, software. Uh, no, no, it's actually built into the operating system. So, um, so you go to you go to settings, I presumably, and what? Y- yeah, you go to data. In fact, I'll probably show you in mobile data. Oh, there we are. If I, if you can, if you can actually see that, uh, uh, kind of, yeah. Can you see that? So Simple. you can see that. See, I've got a T-Mobile account. I've got a Truephone account in there. And, and your password I, is one two password no, one uh, two three. And uh, if I tap add yeah. a new plan, um, and it goes off, and here we are. It gives you options for other plans that you can take. So there's a Truephone one in there, but it's an EE, uh, a GigaSky, and what's that other one? I can't. Okay, how are they getting that list from location? Uh, no, the whole thing runs through uh, an Apple backend. So I believe that the actual authentication is being done by Apple, but they then proxy the result onto the network that they're they're working on. Uh, no, I'm not sure we're talking about how do they how did that list come up? How does the list of carriers, in other words, where does that come from? Did you enter? Available networks and connect, and then yeah. it tells you what's available where you are right now. Okay, yeah. so that's and, kind of what and I said. In the state where you've got no plans, uh, it has some form of catch-all plan, which which will only attach to uh, to Apple, uh, and uh, that'll give you a, a data link so that you can get the list and do the configuration. Once right. you've got that, off you go. Uh, but that that'll take very very little data to do that. That's excellent. That's really good. Yeah, that yeah, would be I mean, nice. Yeah, the mm-hmm. first iteration um, uh, was out, what, three years ago? Remember, Andy, I bought my iPod Air, uh, sorry, iPad Air 2 um, in Las Vegas, didn't I? Yep, indeed. And yeah. you switch, switched it on, and you, you had a, something like, I think it was three, free 384 megs of data. For free, and I yeah, and it used most of most of them in the first day, just talking to to Cupertino. Yeah, absolutely, and the whole thing was really a bit of a train wreck because you could only ever have one account active at once. So I set up a T-Mobile account, I think, and then came back to UK, set up an EE one. It it, it immediately completely obliterated the EE one, and so you. you oh, well. So t- using T-Mobile as an example, because I'm very familiar with them, having uh, been screwed out of about $80 recently. Um, how? Okay, so it presents you with the list. You've got T-Mobile, AT&T, or whatever. Yeah, and you uh, have once, a number of different options. Okay, and- so once you say, you go, ah, T-Mobile, I've heard they're reasonable and so on. So you click on T-Mobile, and then it tells you a bunch of stuff, and then there's payment, or how does that part work? Uh, yeah, the payment runs through uh apple pay so in my case i just put my thumb on it and it kind of pays perfect okay yeah that's that's great that's like very low friction that's a that's a very good thing get there on 30 percent off the top actually apple doesn't uh, take 30 percent off you go to apple today and you tell them my my application or whatever i'm selling is voice over ip they will actually deduct 
and they'll actually give you a different plan. So you just pay them something like four or five cents, mm-hmm. uh, four or five percent of the revenue itself. This is actually something that Apple is doing, and also Google are also starting to do that. Also, use the applications that work with the telephony network, and basically sort of saying, I cannot give you thirty percent because you're rendering my service obsolete. Okay. Yeah. So look, they're they're adapting the business model. I didn't see that. So, uh, in summary, uh, summarizing that one, I think we're going to see a lot more of these eSIM type products as we go on. So, Apple are doing it, Google are doing it now with the Pixel 2, um, and and we're just going to see a lot, lot more of it. You know, when I think about that solution, I think that eventually what you'll see is not only the large carriers that will do this, because effectively an eSIM, it's just some OTA data that comes over from a secure location. Think about it from a provisional point of view. So for a roamer, that actually negates the entire concept of roaming because as part of your provisional information, you say, okay, I'm from Israel, and I've got an eSIM-enabled phone. I'm now going to fly over to the U.S. I'm going to provision a new account. Now, how cool would that be if you can, through that provisional interface, can actually say, sell, say to Israeli provider, you know something? Please forward all my calls to X number in the U.S. because I've got a plan in the name to call the U.S. like a thousand minutes for free. And the result is that you can create seamless roaming from one side of the from one side of the world. Well, you know what, Nir? There are a number of products out there and have been there for a number of years that do exactly that with multiple numbers, multiple profiles. Yeah, lots of them are dual MC based. This is something different. Uh... Dual MC, you have you have to do the forwarding as the user. Or uh on your carrier to do it for you as long as you are within the same roaming environment and you're inside the same network. Yeah, let's not go down that one because we, we would get very uh, technical, uh, sorry, commercial, and <laughs> I, I probably have to beat you up, but uh, I'll give you a demonstration of my multi Yes, work now. Yeah, uh, and I don't work there anymore. But it, and, uh, and any re- works remarkably well. And you get all of your traffic from all of your profiles uh, on one active IMSI. That That's the key to it all. I think the the most important point of all of this as far as this flexibility goes is that the problem that we've always had is you go – for example, we have roaming. Now we have something like almost unlimited roaming, and the data is decent, and you can make calls – in the United States on our, say, our free mobile number. And I think you can do that from many of the UK providers as well. So you're, fr- you're roaming. Yeah, indeed, you, free is the one that does right. uh, full internet. And, and you, have, you have acceptable data. It may not, be, may not be 4G, but it's at least H+. And you can make local calls and you can get local. But people still have to use your UK or your French number. So the last element in this key, and I think that's what you're saying we will be able to do soon enough, James, or... Well, we've been able to do it for the last well, five and a half years. Yeah, but I just want one, I don't know, True Phone seemed to me to be slightly overly complex to have 800 different numbers. What would really be nice is if people could, could use one phone number, say I have a phone number in some zone someplace, right? And if that one number could be dialed from anywhere and people would not be paying a penalty, which means that that would have to be converted locally somehow. Well, that's actually words. what exactly what Truphone does. But the, so reason Truphone, you have, you, the reason you have multiple numbers is that you might have mul- people in different countries wanting to phone you. And they well, all that's go, what I meant, though. Yeah, all there, goes to the what, same what place. We, well, no, but what we need is I need to have a number, one, two, three, 
I want one phone number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, or something, that people can call from anywhere, and the billing is taken care of transparently so that either the receiving party, because you want the convenience. In other words, I don't want people to have to pay to call me. On the other hand, I won't take their calls if I don't want them. So, you know, we've been through that too. Yeah, before. well, unfortunately, that's not the way the international telephone networks work. I know, but someday it will probably. Or maybe you just use Facebook well, no. Messenger in the hell yeah, with it yeah, or exactly. Wire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who makes or, uh, international or, phone calls these days? Very few people. Cause yeah, it's true. Skype, uh, whatever. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole other. Uh, yeah. Good point. I guess that's the reason. Resolution is to use someone's messenger, use Wire, use. Uh, Skype, use yeah. um, Facebook. And that, br- that brings us on to uh, another of the high points of Astricon, and that was the, the keynote given by my old friend Dean Bubbly, a.k.a. Bubbles. I think we've had Dean on, on, the, on the VC, haven't we? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's a super chap. In fact, I flew back with him um, today on the Norwegian uh, plane which was extremely late. And uh, we had some really, really good uh, discussions. Uh, but anyway, one of the, the, the big things that's just coming just over the horizon now is um, artificial intelligence. Just over the horizon? Just over, just over the horizon. No, it, it's, it's arriving. Verizon. Out. Verizon, definitely out, outside of Verizon, is artificial intelligence. Oh, God, um, that word. So doing various bits and pieces. I know it's such a such a kind of broad Douchey, thing. Yeah, yeah. But what well, what you, does that mean? It means different things to different people. To me, it it means some kind of agent that sits in between me and all my different communication channels. So, well, it, it, the implication of AI is that it learns through. I mean, exactly. They, and, yeah, and so it knows all about the the different me means of um, communication and different channels mean different things because different people will call on in on different numbers alexander's yeah and remember so for, so for example if you had three girlfriends not that 10 I years ago it, 10 years I ago had, they were doing that i hasten to add but if, the if only problem three, is it, it only used microsoft calendar exchange or whatever that was the only yeah problem with well that's the other side of it the uh the the user facing side you've got to get a lot lot smarter you've got to know where a guy is where where the where the owner is and what he's what he's up to um but i uh, i love that concept and you're right i mean it has your calendar it knows whether you want to take the mother-in-law call or the mother call or the business call and in the business all is prioritized here's this client who deserves this much of your attention and so on that concept was brilliant what remind us the name of the product though i can't remember it now what the one that um alexander's no not uh, alexander it was cauliflower cat cauliflower yeah. uh no Maybe. no it was it sounded like a diarrhea <laughs> remedy in fact <laughs> yeah it was we're talking about alex, alex saunders alec saunders not alexander no, not alexander at all it's not no it was alec saunders and the name of the product was cauliflower no well he was on that but this was Somebody Before knows that. this. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, somebody on. Uh, no, it's like on Omicron, or it sounded like a drug, actually, kind of a name of a. Come on, let's look it up. How do we look that up? Name of a drug, Alexander's. <laughs> no, it'll be on, on Alexander's. Alexander, Alec Saunders. Alec Saunders, who worked for BlackBerry at some point. Well, he was BlackBerry, wasn't he? Yeah, developer people, anyway. Well, 
Use just developer relations. Could, uh, Michael, you, come on, you remember the name of this just, product? I think it was. I think it was um, Omnium something. No. no. Well, what's the diarrhea? If you can find the, the diarrhea or Imodium. the well, Imodium is something. Yeah. Like All right. So it was something like that. Come on, nobody's. <laughs> So what did you do on this week's BUC? Well, we, we searched for a name. Something of a diarrhea product. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Honors. Uh. Anyway, the uh, Google Pixel 2 looks quite interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I, I typed in Alex Honors. Wait a minute. I typed in Alex Honors and it says Alex Honors obituary. Hopefully that is not the Alex Honors we know. Okay. Iotum was the name of the company. Thank you, that- God. Oh. Iotum, yes. Rhymes with Grotum. So when I say Imodium Iotum, come on, folks. I am Grotum. I am not a senile old man. Iotum is close to Imodium. No, it isn't. All right, whatever. Anyway, point is, that was a brilliant product. (laughs) The rings around. Yeah, well, it was a brilliant product. The only limitation was that you had to be in the Microsoft sphere, which is a huge, huge (laughs) limitation. All right. Sorry about that huge yeah, rattle. We ought to have Alex Saunders on sometime. Anytime. Uh, he's been on once when he was uh, developer yeah. dev relations for um, BlackBerry. And, and guitar player. He's a guitar we, player? I will never, ever forget. He did that pop video of all the VPs from BlackBerry in, playing in a pop band, and they were doing it for real. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to find that, aren't we, and play that. But it's probably... Uh, copyright um yeah probably we won't be playing any music um Mm -hmm. oh yeah thank you corrado for the upt universal personal telecommunications because the problem that you might have with a a personal number that is uh, available from everywhere is that to call an area different nations have different international prefixes like zero one for the united states and zero zero for most of europe so your number would never be the same because you always need to prefix that with what is your prefix to call, make an international call yeah. with the universal personal communication. Mo- yeah, instead. Mo- mobiles can do that. Well, what about INUM? INUM was yeah, the I-num solution was, to that, product, to that but problem. The, but the yes. problem with it was that the uh, the operators just didn't want to do it. Well, why would you, you know, why would you, that would be like <laughs> going into used. a bookstore and saying, I ah, just get it from Amazon, which, by the way, happened to me once in a Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Do you remember your um, iNum number, by the oh, way? My, I certainly don't. Not, no more than I remember my CompuServe user. Well, they're still live, actually. Yeah. They still root on. We have one. It's 883-5100-1239. Although FreeNum is not live anymore. The FreeNum website is down for a while. But they still root. No, but INUM will work. If somebody calls this number, they should go to ZipDX. By the way, here's an interesting question regarding INUM. You know what carriers around the world are using INUM for? Tell us. IPRNs. Oh. Be more accurate to create their own international premium rate fraud scams. <laughs> yeah, and that is a problem. I know that BT here in UK charges something like 50 pence a minute for, for routing a call to a plus 883. Right. It's a complete and utter ripoff. It is actually. I know that in some areas of the world, uh, of the world, um, these numbers can be charged up to ten dollars a minute in some countries. 
Yeah. <clears throat> That's because um, the 883 country code is also used for a lot of satellite phones, right? So they charge you the satellite phone rate. Actually, that's an 881. You're, you're referring to Inmosat and... Uh, yeah. Iridium. Iridium. But Iridium and Inmosat. Yeah. What's that voice emanating from the Swiss? Maxim. Out? Maxim. How's it going there? Did you guys go to the... Um, I, I, think, I think I saw you, James, at the Astricon. Yeah, I'm afraid I was. And in fact, I'm still sitting here wearing exactly the same clothes that I was bouncing around oh, on, uh, on the stage. Yeah, it is. And uh, when I got into the car with uh, with my dear darling wife, she said, uh, would you like to take a shower? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's the smell of adrenaline, I think. Lots of adrenaline. Oh. I don't know whether you saw the dangerous demos. All the AV on one side of the stage, it just went, it completely collapsed, didn't it? There was nothing working. Luckily, we we had a cameraman who who ended up going behind people and videoing the screens, their their, their, their PC screen. But it's... We should find out how much they pay TMC to do that debacle, and I think we should pitch them to do it instead. Absolutely. I got a question, James. I want your opinion on something. So we had about fourteen or fifteen different contestants for dangerous demos, right? Well, uh, it's nineteen or twenty, in fact. If you okay, I didn't count out. Out of which I remember that three of them were actually companies trying to demo a feature of their commercial products. Yeah, well, they can do that, but they'll never win because it's just boring. So. Um, you can try it. You can try it, but you won't get any anywhere by by doing that. Why, why do we allow that? It's because we don't know what people are going to do until they do it. Think about that one. And, no, no, no. It, it, and you're thinking about one with one particularly pretty uh, blonde young lady, are you? <laughs> the itchy team. Because say they, no more. Say no more. Did you see? Notice that all the, all the personnel on stage at that time. Uh, all of the names ended with itch, so known yeah. as the itchy team. <laughs> I, I don't take offense to that one. Well, yeah, you're a bit itchy as well, aren't you? Itchy asshole, yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on swiftly. <laughs> yeah, there were a number of people who actually ran away this time as well, but uh, because we had so, so many spares, it's worth mentioning some. No, it's probably not worth mentioning some of the people who ran away because they were too scared to do a dangerous demo. Or showed up late. Yeah, there was a bit of that, wasn't there? Anyway, what else? Oh, another highlight. Here's another highlight. What about the other keynote speaker, Brian Capouche? Oh, I uh, have we ever had Brian Capouche on uh, on the VEC? I'm not sure that we have. Although, yeah, well, we Mark need to have him spoken of him. Yeah, we need to have him on. I mean, he's he he was in asterisk right at the very beginning. Yeah, and. And he worked with Ed Guy to uh, develop the X2 specification, the RFC for that. Uh, but anyway, he's he's only recently retired from his uh, post um, educational post, wherever it is, somewhere um, where he's kind of kind of re- re- ran the whole telecommunications piece. And he really is a super guy. And he did this really dangerous demo where he he got a whole load of antique telephone equipment you know like type telephones and he hacked them all together with into voice over ip and he actually managed to um ring 
Mark Spencer's cell phone and had a conversation with Mark phone with this thing and, and the switchboard. And so uh, there's one for you to watch on um, on YouTube. It, it was hugely, hugely amusing. And, and he had the entire audience behind him, egging him on, going, yeah, yeah, you can do this. So we need to have him on and do a, a practical demonstration of um, 100-year-old t- telephony equipment, preferably interfacing it into ZipDX or something. What do you think? I think you should do something similar with old army communication equipment. Yeah, but, you know, get, sitting there with a Morse key going, da di da 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 into uh, ZipDX probably and, would... Yeah, Alan, Alison, Alison going, CQ. CQ or DX. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, no, and he said he's going to come back. And then he had an assistant, a young lady assistant, who next time she comes back, she will be in costume. So playing the part of the switchboard operator, delightful young lady. What do you think? I'm, I'm looking at Randy because he, he's the person who... who I the- am, well, I just uh, was looking at the fact that AIM, AOL's instant messenger, is shutting down after 20 years of operation. Thank goodness for that. I, I've always used it so much. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a zombie... Time to set your final away message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's but it good. probably still has more users than the GSMA uh, Rich Communication Suite, RCS. I guess uh, WhatsApp is the still oh. the champion, right? Uh, it's, it's still ICQ for me. ICQ is huge still, I think. Mostly in Asia, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, ICQ is huge around Eastern Europe. Asia is WeChat. WeChat, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. And WeChat, actually, I, I had a go with WeChat at... Uh, at Clucom, uh, mainly to communicate with our, our Chinese friend Seven Do. We ought to have him on because he's a he's a laugh a minute. Oh, he is. He's good. He's he's, he's very 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 uh, funny and has a has a. It's up there, you know what? And you know what? Yeah, really good sense of humour. But anyway, he wanted to talk to me and he said, "Oh, WeChat, you have to use WeChat." WeChat, and, and he's and he set it all up for me. Before I knew it, I had all these pictures of. Chinese cats and things like that. Yeah, all this wavy thing coming at me. Um, Where you know you, you just you just mentioned WeChat. This is a like this is a little sidetrack. But any of you have seen the Emoji movie? No. no. Okay, so I, I've written this movie with my kids. So there's a scene in the movie. The lead character. It's basically he's an emoji. So he's inside a mobile phone and he goes from one app to another. He walks into Facebook comes out, I don't understand this place. Everybody's giving likes to something they have no idea what they, what it is. And then he walks into free, into WeChat, comes up with stickers all over him. <laughs> why do I, why do they use so many cats? Why cats? They're tasty. <laughs> They're tasty. Hello, Alf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, Lens, why cats? I don't know. It's Bagpuss, is it? No, it's not Bagpuss. <laughs> no. Oh, this is a Cheshire cat. Yeah. Yes. Okay. From Alice in Wonderland. Uh, just smile. A Cheshire cat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, how are we doing for time? Have we, have in we conclusion. Sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1753 in UK at this moment in time. And it's not a question of time, but a question of, uh, you know, wide interest. What else... Uh, what else was exciting? I don't want to ask for low points because we don't embarrass anybody. But... Oh, oh, yeah, some more news that, that popped out whilst we were 
well, on the way to um, Astricon, uh, all the Alexa, uh, the Amazon Alexa stuff, hardware. And all of a sudden, they released not one, not two, but about eight products all at the same time. So all these different format, different size, different functionality, kind of Amazon Echo type devices, including one, which is a telephone bridge. So it's kind of like a, an Amazon um, analog telephone adapter that you plug into your phone. Uh, and the purpose of that is to capture your home phone line and get it into Amazon land. And then you can just talk to your Echo and make them receive telephone calls. You know, I think this is a good time to spend the remaining six or more minutes, if we need them, uh, by asking whether we are now being asked to choose whether we want to... I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding pornographic. Uh, pay homage to Amazon, Apple, or Google, basically. Or, or if you're me, you have the whole lot. Well, oh. I don't mind playing the field, let me put it that way, uh, being yeah, yeah, promiscuous. But I really don't want, for example, a device in my house. I have no, I know you guys all have these, right? But I just don't want a device in my house that's talking to the cloud. I don't care whose cloud it is, by the way. I don't trust any of them. Uh, and it's not a, well, let me finish. It's not so much, uh, oh my God, you know, they're going to have this or that. It's just the whole idea seems bogus to me. It, I do not see the benefit to burden. I see the only benefit to burden I see in that whole area of technology is screwing around with it, playing with it, having fun, you know, geeking out. But I am not seeing any particular return for having my voice go to the cloud. What I do see is that they have a huge return. And there's nothing nefarious about it. They're training their AI algorithms and so on and doing just like they do with Google Voice. They're using that to, for transcription and so on. And that's great because we get that for free. Yeah. And they get that benefit out of it. Go ahead, James. I know There's you're dying. There's a huge to... battle going on at the moment between Amazon and Google, probably the front runners. Um, and Apple. Let's face but, it. But Apple, I mean, Siri, I think, has, has kind of dropped behind. She's, it's it's th awful. Siri sucks. And but, not but in the good Amazon, way. Amazon are really, really <laughs> trucking at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but still, I think the, the Google intelligence and the, the, their ability to get context out of um, the audio is possibly slightly better than the Amazon stuff. But Amazon are selling their devices at such a low price point that um, if you can buy kind of like three Amazon devices for, for one Google device. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, on the, on the train on the way back, I noticed that Google have bought out a, a cut price uh, Google Home device. So something that looks like this is an Echo Dot, this thing I've got in my hand. Um, um, so it looks a bit like a, a Google Echo Dot, but they've done that in direct uh, response to Amazon, I think, sure. to, to, to drop the price. They've also come out with one they call Max, which is like the larger Sonos speaker. Plural of and, Mac. Yeah, yeah and it, you know, it's a chunky kind of device for playing music and such like that. Yeah, it's not a good time to be Sonos, is it, really? You know what I would like to yeah. talk about sometime? I heard a fascinating discussion of fake re fake face recognition, and uh, you probably are very big on that, James, in the new iPhone, if you've got one. But the point oh, well, is I that... The iPhone 10, no. Yeah, I, it's... I, I, well, I or is that even iPhone. out yet? Am I crazy? And if it had an eSIM in it, I would rush out straight away and buy one. Are they are they on the market, or is it coming soon? No, they're coming soon. Anyway, the... the, the just the to... Eight, 
the iPhone 8s are available, but not the 10. Okay, just the brief thing that I heard on Security Now, the Steve Gibson fantastic Twit uh, podcast, but they explained a little about that and how it works. And it, had, it has it uses thirty thousand laser points to analyze the face, and they did it in a certain way where uh, to improve security, it does it in a random order on every device, so that precluding the idea that you could fake it. By having like a photo or even a bust of somebody. Anyway, long story short, it's, it's actually pretty fascinating. Even though I have no interest in face recognition on a phone, they've really done an amazing job. And, yeah. um, and it would be, you know what? The same it'd be great to talk about it. Same thing could be used for things other than what's that? What's that you've got there, Michael? This is a Logitech Brio webcam. And what it does, it has um, an infrared sensor as well as a normal sensor. And it works with what's called Windows Hello, which is the Windows facial recognition for logging in. Windows Hello. It does an image recognition of your face, but it also does an infrared map. So it basically, you can't use a picture to fake it because it's looking at the thermal image of your face. But I mean, this, and that's, that's good as far as it goes, but the Apple thing just has an, a couple of amazing characteristics. And yeah. if you, if anybody's interested and you look it up or listen to the Steve Gibson thing, he just talks about it for like five minutes, but it's absolutely fascinating uh, but what I'm, they've done. I'm sure you will be able to use it for all kinds of other applications. So for example, you have, I don't know, a cup or something like that. You, you, you'll be able to use your Apple phone with its kind of 3D imaging thing. To, to map the cup and then make, print one uh, and it'll yeah, be an, an exact <laughs> replica or even we, we could actually map randy and print print another you should i wish before i leave this uh, mortal then, coil then use it for targets yeah good idea <laughs> and you could have as all, many you in fact you could have legions of randy there, I would just like to recommend that people either listen to that uh, Twit Security Now or look up what they're doing because it's absolutely amazing. And the device isn't even out yet, but they've just done – just the choices they made are, are fascinating. I'm no Apple fanboy, but uh, when I heard this, I was very impressed. They, there's a certain number of hours that pass before it will not accept facial-only recognition, and they've, they've just – this has really been thought out very well, which is unusual for most of these devices. Anybody else have any finals? That was mine. Um, uh, I'd just like to say that, that, uh, that the Pixel 2 looks like an interesting phone. <laughs> you want one? I want a Pixel 2. <laughs> I'd be happy to uh, accept one if somebody buys it for me. Well, just wait for H- HTC that is, in fact, the manufacturer that is doing that to adopt uh, the technologies in Pixel 2 in their next phone. Isn't is Google buying them, or is that a fake rumor? Well, Google bought a portion of their R&D team, uh, a little over half their R&D team. The, uh, the interesting thing about HTC is that um, the Pixel, well, the Pixel 2 is the, it's unclear to me whether its design is, was uh, entirely driven by Google or whether it was still something that was underway. Uh, already by HTC when Google came on board. But, um, I think it's probably a mixture of both. Or are we supposed both. to say alphabet, come to think of it? I'm not even sure. Yeah, and you just reminded me of something else. On the subject of acquisition, a bit of shock news, and that's our favorite uh, cocktail tipple, Sip Smith. The company has been bought by, yes. by Jim Beam. Yeah. Read this. Yeah. No headphone jack. Mm-hmm. On the Pixel 2, no headphone jack. 
Yeah, it's just uh, you, you, actually. You to, I, I think it's missing. I think they're missing a comma. There's supposed to be no headphone, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, anybody else have a final that haven't they haven't gotten it in yet? Corrado, what do you want to tell us? Tip of the week? <laughs> no, nothing. Buy a USB three, even if you don't have USB three. Buy a USB three hub. Yeah, yeah. I do want to thank our special guests, Nir Simeonovich. Say good night, Nir. Good night, Nir. And Eric. Eric. And Eric Klein. And, and Lenz. Lenz, I'm Lenz, so sorry. Lenz, I th- way, thought man. you were. I thought he was Dan Jenkins. I'm so sorry. To way, Apologies <laughs> to you. Apologies to you and Dan. It just for some reason I had him on the on my mind because Dan has what conference, James? Answer that question. Yes, Comcon. 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 Look it up. Uh, What's uh, is there a URL? It, it has been an incredibly successful week for. Dan Jenkins and Comcon, he has been uh, soaking up sponsors, including I don't know. Can I can I mention? No, I can't. Probably can't mention it on here. But he has the signed VUC. up a couple of major sponsors. And the Comcon. VUC will probably be partnering, partnering, partnering. And yeah. and yeah. it is so highly likely that Ms. Allison Smith will be there in person, complete with ball dress. Oh, wait a minute now. And tiara. I just realized that in the in that venue we need to have one of those nights where you decide who did the who's the murderer is right? Ooh. Isn't it in some kind of castle or yeah, something? Kind of who murdered Randy Resnick? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll volunteer for the victim. Sure. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. This was called. Does anyone know what time it is? And if you know Chicago, you'll know what that was all about. No codecs were harmed in the production of the VUC, brought to you by IP Communications Community. With our thanks to Simwood, Greenfield Tech, ZipDX, Bluehost, and Voxmall. See you next week.